are now entering the Brooks. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello, you're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I am the other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Lately, we have been fairly weekly. We're doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yes. You know. Mostly. We might have another hiatus coming up here in the winter months, perhaps, because... uh, Next week. (laughs) What? (laughs) Wait, this is the first time hearing of it. What are you talking about? I'm going to be on a cruise next week. That's right. It's not it's far from the first I'm hearing about it, everyone. Jason is far more proactive than that. I just forgot about it, but we'll do this week, and then we won't do next week, and Gimmo. you will get a tan, and we... <laughs> I'm going on a cruise. Where are you going, anyway? Well, I first have to fly to Florida. Mm-hmm. That's a disappointment. But then we leave out of Florida and go to uh, St. Martin, St. Thomas... And somewhere in the Bahamas? Okay, sure. I don't know. It's uh, an island owned by the cruise company. Got I just, it. I just get on the boat and they take me where they want to go. <laughs> the days at sea are the best days anyway, so who even cares where you really go? Yes. And what's the occasion? It is the wedding of uh, friends, David and Jarrell. Aw, that's very yeah. sweet. Oh, that's a destination wedding. I love that. Well, you have a wonderful time on your vacation next week but Thank this you. week we will have a wonderful time doing this show that we love so much i love it that's a great idea and uh you had a good halloween yes i dressed as ted lasso i know and my husband dressed as Roy kent and we sat in the house all day a- adorable did you get a lot of trick-or-treaters nope we shut nope. off the lights and said fuck off we're not getting letting little kids near us with their unvaccinated bodies right before we go on a cruise yeah no not right now you're kind of deep in the quarantining mode for the cruise yeah. now. Okay. I can, I can respect that. Next year, it's full-size candy bars, though, right? Yes, that's okay. the plan. Okay, good. Well, cool. Um, the Halloween on our end was uh, a lot of fun. We had a, we helped with a fundraiser that my mother-in-law put on for her fun. local Neighborhood Watch Action Committee. I and, love that. Yeah, I was bartending and wheeling and dealing. And yeah, we had a great time and raised a lot of money. And so How was, much money? Oh, cleared $2,500. Wow! So after expenses, so they did well. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So we had a really nice time, and Nick was my bar back. So we did a little bar backing. <laughs> did, did you bear back your bar back? Maybe. Mazel tov. <laughs> we, I, I might have bare backed my bar back, broke back style. Maybe it's a possibility. Honestly, half of our listeners just climax from that. So, <laughs> well done. You're welcome to both of you. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the bright spot? Yes. I actually really love this week's bright spot because uh, it has to do with monarch butterflies. I love butterflies. Yes, I do too. And monarch butterflies are in danger right now. And they're, as a population, they're really struggling. So, yeah. when I saw this pop up today, I was really, really happy about it because it looks like right now they are starting to gather. The monarchs are starting to gather in their overwintering sites along the coast of California. Yeah. And this year's numbers are thousands of percents higher 
than last year's numbers of the of the monarchs that have started to filter in to those sites. Yay! Oh, so I just found out that they do a count of the monarchs every year with hundreds of volunteer scientists that go to the sites that they go to and count them. I think it would be incredibly hard to count butterflies. They're moving. So the, our, our heroes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that they sounds have, like a nightmare job. It does, but I mean, I think, but they're all volunteer too. One, so it sounds. Two. No, wait. Damn it. One. One. Two. two three. No, oh. Damn it. He moved. Uh, you just uh, can we get the smoky gas in here, please? <laughs> what do they do to bees to calm them down? Bring that in, please. Smoke, yeah. Uh, um, at the Pacific Grove overwintering site this year, October sixteenth, thirteen hundred monarchs were counted, and this isn't yet the official count. And there's still more coming in. Last year, there were none recorded at that site. And then the one that's near and dear to my heart is the Pismo State Beach Monarch Butterfly Grove because it's really close to where my family lives. So I've visited there many times. Last year, they counted 300 butterflies there. And when you go there, it's eucalyptus trees just filled with butterflies on on good years. This year, 8,000 so far. Wow. Yeah. So and they haven't even started the official count, which is uh, starting around Thanksgiving. It's going to be the 25th annual Western Monarch Thanksgiving Count. That's its official name. I didn't know they did that, but they do it every year. Did, and did they do it on Thanksgiving? No, it's going to start around uh, November 13th. But they have to go for a few weeks because they motherfuckers move. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody wants to be back by, the, you know, the by Thanksgiving, so... Oh, I was thinking this is a great excuse to be like, sorry, I can't make it to Thanksgiving. I'm counting butterflies. Yeah. So that is what we have for the bright spot because, you know, it's a struggling population and it's not every day you get to see a endangered species really thriving and doing well. So I like to highlight that as a bright spot because it's very important and it's very rare, unfortunately. Uh, so it's really awesome because if you've, have you ever been to one of those monarch groves? Uh, if you count the time that the giant swarm of butterflies passed my house. I do not count that. Well, that was basically like, it was hours of nonstop butterflies. Wow. Do you remember this? No, I remember that that happened, but like, I wasn't there. Oh, well, my parents were here at that time as well. And we, we walked outside and I was like, this is unusual. <laughs> I was like, had this always been here? Well, the groves, like the overwintering sites are very cool to go to because you can totally visit them. And it's wonderful to do because it's you feel like it's a totally different world and they're just hovering around your head and there are just thousands of them in the trees. And it's it's calm, too, because they're staying there. They're not like moving on to wherever and they're not all flying away. And, you know, it's not a swarm. Oh, that that's moves. how they count them. Yeah, and they stay generally there, but they do fly around. (laughs) Quick, get the really, really, really delicate net and throw it over this tree so they can't move. Exactly. So anyway, that's that's the bright spot because I love visiting those places and uh, it's kind of magical and I want them to do well and looks like this year they're doing better. So that's it. I like that. Yeah. I have plants that feed butterflies in my yard. Exactly. And butterflies are just an important part of the environment, not just pretty to look at. So it's good that they are doing better. Also, have you ever watched two butterflies fight? It's really fun. I do not think that I have because I try to stay out of altercations (laughs) and fracas. 
They don't actually fight each other with physical touch. They have like no, they do fly-offs. They, <laughs> they really do. They like they, they're they're so delicate that if they hit each other, they would die. I would think they would just troll each other's Instagrams. <laughs> <laughs> Kill yourself. <laughs> oh, you think butterfly, butter stank, <laughs> butter face, more like it. <laughs> it's an insect face. <laughs> It's the same as yours. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's what I have for a bright spot. Now, how are you going to see? I'm doing well this week. I'm in a good mood. So how are you going to ruin that for me, Jason? It's not going to be as ruiny as you think. Okay. You say that now. I'm still not convinced. That's fair. Okay. We'll talk again in an hour and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> DNA. Uh, yes, I have plenty of that. Plenty to spare. Science. Okay. Sexism. Oh. Oh, dear. That took a dark, dark, sad turn right there at the end. <laughs> Are we talking about sexism in science? That's pretty close. Okay. We're actually going to talk about Dr. Rosalind Franklin. Okay. And how she is basically the woman behind why we know that DNA is a double helix. Oh. And the structure of it and how she wasn't fully recognized for her amazing work. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So, it's, we are, you're living up to your promise from last week because there was, there was so much horrible sexism in the balloon episode. (laughs) Women did so badly that we're trying to make up that we, two men, are trying to make up for it by being nice to a woman this week. <laughs> so You're welcome, women. She was born in 1920 in Notting Hill, London, England. She was just a tiny girl standing in front of a hill of some kind, asking <laughs> to be recognized for her the gifts of her mind. I'm just a baby. <laughs> Lying here in my crib in front of a bunch of misogynistic men (laughs) asking for recognition. Or milk, whatever you have. (laughs) Or milk. God damn. I'm just a baby. She's British. She's not Southern. Oh, uh, was that that British? Okay. (laughs) I'm just a baby. Oh, she was Julia Child? She was the child version of Julia Child. Oh, the chickens on the floor. (laughs) Quote from Wiki, quote. Yes. Although her works on coal and viruses were appreciated in her lifetime. Yes, thank you very much for those. Her contributions to the discovery of the structure of DNA were largely unrecognized during her life. Hmm. for which she has been variously referred to as the wronged heroine, the dark lady of DNA, the forgotten heroine, (laughs) a feminist icon, and the Sylvia Plath of molecular biology. I think my favorite porn name in there was the dark lady of DNA. (laughs) Mistress, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the dark lady of DNA to you. <laughs> oh, the safe word is Victorian England. <laughs> Orchid delirium. <laughs> oh, throw it back. Thank you. Now, 
Many people think that she was never credited or had her data stolen from her so someone else could take the credit. Ah. But there's an article in The Guardian which makes the argument that it isn't completely true, but it's also not completely cool how things went down as well. So we're going to kind of dive into the the history as I found it. Right. (laughs) Because I wasn't there. So... (laughs) We have, to be fair, not been present for any of the episode topics on our show. Yeah, that's that's valid. Okay, so you know, you'll all I'm saying, I'm just trying to reassure people that we're going to come to this with the same level of ignorance that we come to everything, and they should be <laughs> assuaged and know that. I found this on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At the age of fifteen, mm-hmm. Rosalind Franklin knew that what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a scientist. Okay. Now, mind you, the year at this point is 1935. Mm-hmm. So her dad wasn't thrilled that she wanted to do this, but no, she's determined. He, it's the Great Depression. <laughs> she's like, picture it. Notting Hill, England, 1935. But British. <laughs> I, I'm just a girl standing in front of her father asking to be a so- scientist. I don't fucking know. How the fuck do they talk? Just like that. Please keep that exact accent for the rest of the show. Uh, In fact, her family could see how smart she was from an early age. Right. When she was only six, Rosalind's aunt would be quoted saying, quote, Rosalind is alarmingly clever. She spends all her time doing arithmetic for pleasure. It it invariably gets her sums right. That's British, right? <laughs> yes, it's perfect. <laughs> I have no idea where these people are from. <laughs> Not in Hill. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, Notting Hill. <laughs> yes. So she would excel in everything she's except. Very smart. She she's, excel... she's a very smart girl. She's very smart except for music. Oh, she sucks at music. And her music teacher is like. No ear. All brain, no ear. <laughs> her music teacher is like, she should get tested for hearing loss because that must be explaining why a girl isn't good at music. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm like, shitty. First of all, bitch. It's, inter- it's interesting because I, I feel like a lot of times people who are good at math are also into music. Normally that would be the case. But not always. Because music is inherently mathematic. It's very rhythmic and and there's formulas and it's it's very similar. Um, But I will say this is is that it's like, all I can think is that if I were Rosalind, I'd be like, listen, bitch, just because I don't have time for your music doesn't mean I can't hear you and the stank ass words coming out of your stupid mouth. (laughs) Fucking moron. Right, so she sucked at music. That's okay. You can't be good at everything. Quote from Wiki, quote, With six distinctions, she passed her matriculation in 1938, winning a scholarship for university, 30 pounds a year for three years, and five pounds from her grandfather. 35 pounds a year? Oh my God, I hope it doesn't go to her head. So her father asked her to give the scholarship to a deserving refugee student instead. Uh, He's like... (laughs) <laughs> a man, clearly. I, I like, like well done. You've done you've done excellent job on all of your six distinctions, is it? Congratulations. We're all so very proud. Now, here is your knitting needle. And here is a man to marry. Please give the money to someone who will use it properly. Yeah, I mean like here's the thing. 
all those refugees deserve scholarships because they're they're fucking refugees and like that's good. But they don't like, deserve her scholarship, right? Well, th- like everyone deserves an education. Period. Well, like every the more educated people are, <laughs> the better society does. Yeah, I'm kidding. Just yeah. inherently, and I'm just like, listen, Dad, you're gonna need to fuck right off. Well, yes. Back to ye old Mary England. Mm-hmm. Although sexist. in Mary England, if he fucked right off to Mary England, he would not change his mind. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to fuck off to Mary old England, eh? I'm in Mary old England, you stupid twat. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone back 200 years and now we can behead them. <laughs> <laughs> so she would get her doctorate in chemistry. Wow. And in 1950, she would be given a three-year fellowship to work at King's College London to mm-hmm. help with studying DNA. Okay. So she's not this only brand like... brand new thing called <laughs> DNA. <laughs> she's not only like, fuck you, dad. She's also like... Fuck the world and the patriarchy. I'm a British queen. <laughs> I don't think she said she was a British queen. I th- I think you could still behead people for saying that. I'm the queen of chemistry. Oh, I am the queen of chemistry. I will make everything <laughs> blow up if I have to. <laughs> and all the other scientists were like, yes, queen. Yes. <laughs> Do those formulas. Yes, that Charles Darwin himself. Quote. Yas, queen. <laughs> Who went to the Galapagos? Was that Charles Darwin? Yes. Cool. So Charles Darwin's at the Galapagos, and he's like, oh, my God, tortoise. Have yes. you heard of this queen? This <laughs> chemistry queen? <laughs> the tortoise is like, I'm a fucking turtle. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Just trying to get back. Would you flip me over, please? Yas, queen, you better death drop. Stop it. This is not fun for me. <laughs> Charles Darwin had a fucking mean streak. <laughs> so we've we've established at this point that Dr. Not a lot. Yeah. Dr. Franklin's a genius and Charles Darwin is an asshole. He's a fuckwit, yes. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Yes. Cruel. So, son of a dick face. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we only had to conserve the tortoises because he killed so many of them. All right. <laughs> at, at the time, John Randall was in charge of the Medical Research Council's MRC Biophysics Unit at the okay. King's College London. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm in charge. <coughs> well, we haven't decided who will be in charge yet, but I am a man. So <laughs> that should go pretty far in determining it. Pretty sure my penis puts me at the top of the podium, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a couple of inches of height on you and a penis, so <laughs> we'll have to add another three, four inches there. I'm a scientist that comes with its own tripod. <laughs> so beat that. What have you got, a test tube? <laughs> Great. Oh, I've never heard of a China called a test tube. And Jeez. let's hope you never do again. Again. So John Randall had other workers there with him. And another worker who was working on the DNA research was Maurice Wilkins and PhD student Ray Gosling, who was working under Maurice. He's kind of Maurice's right-hand guy. Great-great-grandfather to Ryan Gosling uh, <laughs> of Mickey Mouse Club fame. Well, and this is where they got crazy old Maurice from. <laughs> what? 
you know, from Beauty and the Beast, crazy old Maurice. Oh, is that? Oh, that's him, huh? His story so, is based entirely on him. No, <laughs> got it. Know. No, he came from France, <laughs> and he decided that the world of fairy tales was no world to live in, and thought hard science. I mean, can you blame him? The teapot fucking talked, all right? That would be emotionally scarring. I would want to leave my my home country, too, if if there were enchanted castles and, you know, and anybody could be turned into a terrifying monster who's actually not that scary at any time. Yeah, he's kind of just like a bear in the gay community. Yeah, there are certain people who would have, who who prefer him (laughs) in beast form. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was anybody else among the people who saw him as a human and were like, oh, really? Well, he became a twink. <laughs> yeah, you weren't expecting that, were you? No, I was no. like, I was like, oh. yes, daddy, evolve. What? What? Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Still doable. I mean, you know. Yeah. He's no Prince Eric. No, he's not a top anymore. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> he's no Flynn Rider. <laughs> Oh, I'm a Flynn Rider. Go ahead. He Flynn Rider, yes. All right. Quote from the Guardian. I mean, I would ride com. him. What? I mean, I would ride him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know that. You, you knew I meant that. This is a factual statement. Okay. Quote, Franklin, an expert in x-ray crystallography. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. Has been recruited to King's in late 1950. Wilkins expected she would work with him, but the head of King's group, John Randall, led her to believe she would be independent. Okay. In fact, before long, John Randall would reassign PhD student Ray Gosling to work under Dr. Franklin instead of Wilkins. Oh. So he's like, hey, Wilkins. Yes. So, fun fact... You're still working. That's yeah, great. Yes, I'm, I'm working very hard. Yes, working yeah. very hard to try to impress everyone. And, so, and manage people. Yes. It seems like you're doing great and you don't oh. necessarily need PhD student Ray Gosling anymore. So, I'm going to take oh. that person and reassign him under Dr. Franklin. I've absolutely been using him to the max 50 hour weeks. Yeah. Uh, every yeah. week. Good talk. Good talk. You're doing uh, great. Good job. Keep up the work. Do not do less work. I, I, um, bye. Hum- we have not invented automatons yet. Bye. Um. <laughs> Little known fact John Randall was actually a drag queen. <laughs> and Wilkins killed himself <laughs> from overwork. And that so, was seen and seen. And that was. <laughs> That's a little snippet on the dangers of overwork. Yes. As a result of this experience, Dr. Franklin and Wilkins really didn't get along. Oh, no. Well, sure. Shocking, right? Yeah. So, in addition to that, Wilkins was an introvert and avoided conflict at all costs. Well, that's good. But Dr. Franklin didn't give two fucks about who she might offend, and she would be blunt and honest and would fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. Oh, she's the fucking Annie Oakley of the chemistry world. I love her. She's like, Wilkins, you, uh, sorry, Wilkins, you and me in the parking lot, parking lot at (laughs) 6 (laughs) p.m. Well, she's definitely loud. Anything you can burn, I can burn better. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can learn anything better than you. That's good. No, you can't. Yes, I. Y- yes, I can. <laughs> my God, this is West Side Story meets My Fair Lady. I don't know what happened. We're having we're mangling all of musical theater today right here for you. The rain in Spain is in the DNA strain. <laughs> I'm very happy to have heard that first. (laughs) Quote from Dr. Franklin's friend, Norma Sutherland. Quote, Her manner was brusque and at times confrontational. She aroused quite a lot of hostility among the people she talked to, and she seemed quite insensitive to this. Well, all right, so she she was not too interested in making a lot of friends, and, and you're killing it. You're absolutely <laughs> killing it. Here's the thing. I, I like to believe that Dr. Franklin had friends from all classes. So okay, sure. Norma was perhaps not upper crust. I can't confirm this or deny it. I can neither confirm nor deny. No comment. Sure, yeah, but she didn't seem to give two shits, really, about your status, which I like about her very much. Yeah. So let's let's learn about some other scientists who are doing research on DNA at the same time okay. as these two lovely scientists who are button eds. Okay. Wow. That's <laughs> button eds. Button <laughs> They're button eds, you know, they're butting heads. Oh, oh, okay. I thought button you said, eds. I thought you said they were button heads and I'm like, <laughs> what is a button head? They were like, button heads, didn't you know? Okay. I was gonna let it go. Listen, you go to Merry Old England, everyone's a button head. Okay. <laughs> I'm seriously just watching the show today. I think I just offended an entire nation. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a show without that. <laughs> so, all right. Some of the other scientists were Jim Watson and Francis Crick. The two of them were working at the University of Cambridge. I've heard of Watson and Crick. They have been... No, I'm serious. I've heard of Watson and Crick. Didn't they get the Nobel Prize for discovering DNA? We will get there. Uh, I'm sorry. I know things about people sometimes. We will get there. They. Spoiler alert. They got the Nobel Prize for learning about... <laughs> for discovering DNA. But maybe, possibly, they didn't totally discover it all alone. So, at this time... I won't be silenced! <laughs> so, at this time, Watson and Crick were both working together to figure out how DNA worked and what the structure of it was, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah, they would just slather each other with their DNA <laughs> and try to work it out. <laughs> Oi, Watson, it's, it's test Oi, time again. <laughs> Get out your DNA. <laughs> I, I've got out my Crick stick. Oh, and I have my Watson but toxin My no. Watson wonton. No my <laughs> My Watson Batoxin for you <laughs> for your crick stick. I don't think you should call your TNA a toxin. It's not no, very it's exciting. My buttocks. <laughs> it's my buttocks in. Oh <laughs> and so you can put your crick stick in the buttocks. I, I get it now, Watson. Right, cheerio. Yes. <laughs> Cheeks up. Here we go. <laughs> so, oh dear. It's experimenting time. <laughs> oh, 
It's tighter than I remembered last experiment. <laughs> Have you been doing those experimental exercises? Yes, there's a brand new Austrian fellow named Kegel. I've learned quite a bit from. Ah, uh, yes, Dr. Kegel. Dr. He Kegel, He had fun yes. with my crook stick as well. Oh, yeah, oh, you know him. It's great. We so, should all get together. <laughs> they came up with a theory that it, it, that the DNA had three strands that worked together. Oh. They're like, it's like a witch's coven. Why didn't they just look at it? A theory? So they don't still have microscopes that can look down small enough to see DNA. Is that right? At this point. Okay. So, so they're theorizing that there's three helixes. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is 1952. Sure. Okay. I... I think they're idiots but sure okay <laughs> so their theory would be shown to the folks at king's college and dr franklin <laughs> i don't know why i said it like that <laughs> franklin <laughs> i'm Dude. dr franklin she's just a girl standing in front of a boy <laughs> wondering if he will give her the nobel prize <laughs> silly wabbit <laughs> dna is for scientists DNA is for everyone. <laughs> so they show it to Dr. Franklin, and she's like, you're wrong. Next. Oh, thank you, next. And they were like, uh, hold up, Ariana. They're like, <laughs> there's three fucking strands, okay? So they're like, wah, wah, I guess back to the drawing board. Maybe it's more. No, they oh, figured, wow. Well, they were like, it's got to be three, but they're trying to figure it out. Okay. So if that wasn't bad enough, after Dr. Franklin was like, you suck, then they went back <laughs> and um, and their boss, Wat- <laughs> the boss of Watson and Crick was Sir Lawrence Bragg. Okay. And, uh, and he ordered them to stop their work since they were pissing people off at King's. I heard you made my Dr. Franklin mad. <laughs> you are no longer able to have a lab. I'm taking it away. Oh, no lab for you. How will I test my DNA? Uh, You'll just have to do it at home like the rest of us do. (laughs) In a sock. (laughs) God damn it, Crick and Watson. (laughs) Everyone knows you have one sock to wear and one sock to fuck. Wow. (laughs) But two feet. Can't I have a third sock? That's that's actually how we got the three strand theory. (laughs) Get out. No one can do with just two socks. Get out. Out of my office! How would you fuck one? Uh, <laughs> unhand me! Unhand me! You brute! You brute! You. So, a year later, in 1953, American Linus Pauling was mm. like, I'm gonna figure out DNA! Mm-hmm. And Sir Lawrence Bragg was like, I know I told you to stop because the people at King's are working on it and they're close, but like, I'd rather a Brit figure it out than a damn Yankee! Sure. So they were like, no lab for you. Stick a feather in this cap. Everyone everyone except for this group over here, stop working on DNA. (laughs) Stop it. We haven't had a single aviation milestone (laughs) since 1864. We need this. We need something. We need something. The British population morale is flagging. And it's going to take perhaps a world war to pick us up again. <laughs> so, at this time, this is after the two world wars. I know. But they did so well in the second one. 
they're they're at risk of starting World War Three in order just to cheer themselves up again. At this time, Dr. Franklin was like, I need to leave this toxic work environment. <laughs> and she's like... These fucking men. <laughs> she's like, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. I'm just a doctor standing in front of a professor doctor asking him to fuck off. I want you to look at my hand. Here is my resignation. <laughs> That's just two fingers pointed upwards and a reverse <laughs> V. <laughs> Okay, I get it now. So that that means fuck you in England. Yeah. So we know things. She's about to leave, right? But Mm -hmm. she had just taken an infamous X-ray photo (gasps) called Photo Fifty One. Oh, it's like Area Fifty One. I just had that exact thought, and I just started to freak out entirely. Yeah. So she took a picture of aliens. Well, no. So no. this photo... She took a picture of all of us, really. <laughs> she... Well, maybe she took a picture of aliens. If she took a picture of DNA, she kind of did. Well, this photo is known to be the reason why we know that DNA is a double helix and not <gasps> some other type of wild thing. Some other type of... What is that? A pear shape? Get out! Wild thing. You're not DNA strands. <laughs> Wild thing. Oh my god. Wild thing I I think I've made of you. <laughs> Wild thing. You're interrupting my science. Wild thing. <laughs> really, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, at this point, PhD student Ray Gosling would be transferred back to work with Wilkins again. Okay. Oh, okay. So sure. Wilkins like he lost his boss. <laughs> Wilkins, and Wilkins like, was so happy to get him back. <laughs> Welcome back, traitor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he showed Wilkins photo fifty one, and uh, Wilkins was like, <laughs> he also not just that one. He showed him fifty photos before that too. <laughs> this is my first photo. <laughs> this is us at Niagara. <laughs> Look, and this is us in front of the biggest ball of yarn. Look, I'm a fun beach lady, and Dr. Franklin's a macho man. Isn't that yeah. ridiculous? <laughs> I'm sorry, this one's really blurry. Sorry. And this one was of the prettiest clouds. Isn't aren't they pretty? So Wilkins saw the photo and was like, "Holy fucking shit!" Yes. Fuck, oi! He's Roy <laughs> Kent now. Sure. He got super low class all of a sudden. <laughs> um, at this point, Watson happened to be visiting Kings, and okay. Wilkins ran the photo right over to Watson and was like, Watson, look at this. And Watson you have would to look, look at this fucking shit. Yeah, Watson was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. So they're just like fucking and shitting everywhere. Ah! <laughs> Heads exploding, DNA fucking everywhere. Watson would be quoted saying, quote, my mouth fell open and my pulse began to race. And my crick stick fell right into it. (laughs) Crick was such a pervert. God. So that photo actually wasn't enough for the proof they needed, but it did tip them off. Sure. I mean, I assume that's true. I've never seen the photo myself. I have. It's pretty fucking cool. I'm going to look it up right now. Hold on. Oh. Okay. So it's like X marks the spot. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. So 
Quote from TheGuardian.com, quote, What Watson and Crick needed was far more than the idea of a helix. They needed precise observation from X-ray crystallography. Those numbers were unwittingly provided by Franklin herself, included in a brief informal report that was given to Max Perutz of Cambridge University. So she not only took the photo that led them in the ID in the direction of that it had two helixes, but she also provided the data on this crystal ball gazing thing that they were doing. So that they needed to prove it. Yeah. So eventually, but Sir, she didn't discover it or anything. So yeah. So Sir Lawrence mm-hmm. Bragg would give that report to Watson and Crick, and then Crick could do the the, the quick math because he fig- he's like now he gets it. And and he Crick figured was quick. It out. We heard we knew that about him. Crick works quick with his Crick stick. Yes, <laughs> which is his dick. Would you like a quick Crick stick quickie? <laughs> Would I? So and how? Now this is where things get wacky for me in this Guardian article. Okay, so yeah, the article suggests that what they did was not super cool since they got the data from not super cool sources. And ah. even though it wasn't confidential, it wasn't great how they got the data. But also, they didn't ask for her permission to work on her work, but they were huh. super fucking excited with what they saw from her work. So they're like, we've got to do this work. Oh. So then the article goes on to say that they think the guys would have done the same thing if it had been Wilkins who provide, like if it was Wilkins who found all this and not Dr. Franklin. So they think like no matter who gave them the stuff, they would have been like, this is amazing. We got to work on this now. Okay. So that that makes sense, sort of. Yeah. Yes, it does. But I mean, they also should have, you know, cleared it with the. Per- they should have brought the person who actually just, you know, did the discoveries and you know and had the basic math, yeah, for them. Yeah. yeah. They should have brought that person in. It should have been Crick, Watson, and Franklin. You know. Right. So what's extra wild is that in 1951, Dr. Franklin had actually been giving a seminar at King's about this very subject Mm. and the numbers that she found and all of that shit. And Watson was in the audience. But instead Uh, of listening to her with intent and seriously gathering the information that, that he needed and that he got in this article, he was more focused on what she was wearing. And so he didn't really pay attention to her. You're kidding. He w- he was in a lecture with her two years prior where he could have gotten all of that information. And solved it then. And didn't notice it, though, because her dress was a little above the ankle. Whatever the problem was. Because she was a tease. Sure. So to me, that feels a little bit like I'm not listening to you because you're a woman. Oh, 100%. If- well, that that absolutely is that. I mean, like he wasn't he was paying he would not be paying attention to what a man wore more than what he was saying. Right. Okay. If you can get the exact same numbers and hear it when it's on paper and not hear it when it's coming from a woman, then that is sexist. Yeah. So he actually could have made this big discovery 15 months earlier. Right. So the best part is that by this time, Dr. Franklin knew that the DNA was a double helix and she had figured it out on her own. (laughs) So she already knew all this shit. That's part of why she, when they said it's a triple helix, she's like, fuck off. That's not right. (laughs) Because she's like, I know it's a double helix. You're stupid. she's giving workshops on it like months and months before. They're like, we have an idea. She's like, it's the wrong idea and fuck off. Yeah. So quote from theguardian.com, quote, 
Franklin's laboratory notebooks revealed that she initially found it difficult to interpret the outcome of the complex mathematics. Like Crick, she was working with nothing more than a slide rule and a pencil. But Jeez. by the 24th of February, she had realized that DNA had a double helix structure and that the way the component nucleotides or bases on each strand were connected meant the two strands were complementary, enabling the molecule to replicate. Oh. So she's like, got she 100% it. She 100% discovered that. Yeah. Okay. She also and figured then out. Watson and Crick took all of the credit for it. We'll, we'll get to that. So she figured okay. out that the DNA also contained genetic code. Oh, so she's like Did not know that before. She she like confirmed it basically, because okay. I would think that that'd be why they were interested in it. <laughs> yeah, so she was going to do the math to prove that section, but mm-hmm. Watson and Crick did that before she could, since they got their hands on her work and they were trying to beat that damn Yankee Pauling. Um, Shaking my head. Uh-huh. And the best part is, is that they expedited their shit once they got their hands on her work because they're like, we don't want him well, to yeah, find. because she did a bunch of the fucking work. But also, they didn't want Paul. It makes it so much faster when you just get a woman to do it. <laughs> I know. We could have just I been playing this. on our crick stick this whole time. My God. You don't think we should get a woman to help with that, do you? No. 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 no that's just gauche. No. Um, Outlandish idea. <laughs> So, but th- th- this is the best part. They then mm. like freaked out once they had this information and became super <laughs> secretive because they're like, we don't want Pauling to see this work and then steal it for his own. Sure. No, we shouldn't. We sure wouldn't want someone to steal our stolen work. Right. So in March. That'd be stealing. <laughs> now, this is where it gets a little bit better. So in March of 1953, Watson mm-hmm. and Crick would invite Wilkins and Dr. Franklin to come look at their double helix model of the DNA. <laughs> that she invented, sure. Wilkins and Dr. <laughs> Franklin would be like, yeah, you got it. This is correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I think Dr. Franklin was like, yes, fuck. Like, I don't I know. <laughs> I teach a class in this. <laughs> so quote from theguardian.com, quote, It was agreed that the model would be published solely as the work of Watson and Crick, while the supporting data would be published by Wilkins and Franklin, separately, Mm. of course. Mm. On the 25th of April, there was a party at King's to celebrate the publication of the three articles in Nature. Okay. Franklin did not attend. Mm. She was now at Brickbeck and had stopped working on DNA. She's now working on, like, coal and and viruses and plants and other things and figuring she was really starting to work on polio and and cracking the the polio virus to get the vaccine and all that shit. Like, doing all that. Oh, have your party. DNA is so last season. Yeah. God, everyone knows DNA at this point. Right. I'm just a scientist inventor, doctor, standing in front of a room full of students. Asking you to shut the fuck up about DNA. <laughs> so, Dr. Franklin would pass away from cancer at the age of 37 in 1958. 37? Yep. 37. Yep. Cancer. Yeah. Because of all the work with x-rays that she did? I'm not sure, but I I think I read it was ovarian cancer, and wow. I was reading other things, and there's a lot more that I could have done, but it's a long episode as it is. Um, God, and I wanted 37? to focus on this. And yeah. at one point, she had tumors that were making her belly bigger. And then someone was like, are you pregnant? And she's like, no, I wish. 
I'm oh, dying. Man. Like Jesus Christ. Thanks for fucking asking that question yeah. you never ask. Like Yeah, what well, just just it just never stops. Like it, like the the for all eternity, men, stupid men will ask women when they're due. Yeah. So Four years later, Watson, Crick, and Wilkins would all receive Nobel Prizes for their work on DNA. Wow. The fact that they didn't give her the award posthumously at the same time is a problem, and I'm not sure if the Nobel Prize Committee has rectified that. So, Well, they can't. They can't. They can't. The Nobel Prize is never given to someone posthumously. Never. So That's the whole thing about the Nobel Prize. You have to be alive? You have to be alive to receive it, yeah. Then they are stupid, and they yeah, well. have rewarded these guys and, and erased a woman from this part of history. Yes. Well, yes, because she died. I'm I'm of the mind, I mean, I don't I, I don't know enough about this, obviously, but, like, it's it seems to me super possible that she would have, could have won it if she had been alive, but they don't award posthumous Nobels. What they should do, I mean, honestly, like, if someone deserves an award but they die before they could get it what they should do is set up a like i know that you're supposed to get money to do research and all that shit then right. like set up a fucking foundation to get more women scientists like That's use a good idea use sure. your fucking like make this right by doing oh. that honor her and right. and and give and start awarding shit posthumously because like there's a lot of people who are not white guys who are doing very hard work and then they often die earlier because they're not white guys and they don't have the privilege and mm. then they don't it just it's stupid anyway yeah and this is this is coming from two white guys so you know it's we're not kidding <laughs> you're so dumb <laughs> you know what i have to take that seriously because you're a white guy so that hurt me very deeply <laughs> I think you'll survive. You're going to forget that I said anything in five minutes anyway and just assume that I said you're amazing because you're I'm amazing. a white guy. I'm amazing? Thank you. I'm sorry. I just heard the last part. Go ahead. Okay. What is the bright side? Oh, well, geez, she's dead with no Nobel. That's not a bright the... side. I know. Oh. So that's what I'm saying. I thought you said that was the I'm bright side. No. <laughs> I was I'm like. I'm saying it's hard to. I'm Look, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> I'm just an Sitting asshole. in front of another asshole. Standing in front of a dick asking, why aren't you inside? <laughs> so, you know what? My point was that it's very, it got real dark there right at the end. So I need a bright side. You tell me. Well, first, she helped make the world a better place. And her work helped scientists all over the world because, and not just the DNA work, but the carbon yeah. work. I think that the carbon work she did led to figuring out gas masks. Oh, which, wow. like the way that the carbon is porous and all that shit and how it can absorb stuff. And I see. And she did stuff with like, she helped like, I think it's tobacco mosaic virus or something like that. There was like a, a, a virus in tobacco plants and she helped. I think it's basically safe to say that like the work that she did in her very much too short life has probably inspired science that has improved the lives of hundreds of thousands if not millions yeah of citizens of the planet and so that's quite a life to have led i actually think it probably led to billions of people saved over the years just because mm -hmm. of what she did um but yeah you know that that was right, another because one if we didn't know about dna none of us would even be here we couldn't even 
I mean, we're made of DNA. She discovered it. So there were no people. That's my point. There were no people before her. So you tell me who's more important. Exactly. Exactly. There were no people until she lived a life and figured out that there were people. That's right. <laughs> made up of DNA that she discovered. The other well, thing. It wasn't there before she discovered it. That's my whole point. The other thing is that she is still an inspiration even after death. Um, mm-hmm. And more and more people are learning about her. I actually would fucking love if they made a movie on this to really highlight yes. her past. I do. I would love to see a movie of this as well. I would go to see that movie. Are you listening, Hollywood? Jason and I are your first two tickets sold. Is anybody there? Does anybody is this Hamilton care? Hamilton again? No, this is 1776. Jesus Christ, 1776. <laughs> Se- se- 17 se- 1776 <laughs> Is that Hamilton? Yes, that's I got you with one. Yes, that is Hamilton. Se- 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 <laughs> that's our show. Thanks for listening everybody. <laughs> we won't see you next week because Jason will be getting a tan. I But then we'll be back after that. We'll be avoiding the sun. <laughs> well, you can't help but get a tan in the Caribbean, man. I'm going to be there and be like, ah. I am covered in zinc. I'm just a ball of zinc standing in front of my husband who is naturally swarthy. <laughs> asking him to please pass the zinc. <laughs> <laughs> zinc me, daddy. <laughs> So thank you for this topic and everybody thanks for listening. We'll be back, you know, uh, sometime and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Oh my God. Dr. Franklin, did you know it's a double helix? I figured it out. Do fuck off, Watson. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at BrightsideKandJ, and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look look on on the the bright bright side. side!